So I have four nieces and nephews, and I was talking to my sister about IXL. And IXL Learning is this fun online program for kids, and it covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. My sister and my nephew love it. The way it works is it's powered by AI, so IXL gives the right help to each kid. And IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Maybe you've been looking into private tutoring, but it's out of the budget, or this is a big school year for your kiddo. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And all of these listeners can get an exclusive. 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash ologies. So visit IXL.com slash ologies to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I know I usually save my secrets for the end of the episode, but I'm going to tell you my secret favorite candy. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. It's really Reese's anything, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the thing that I'm like, have I had a bad day? I get these. Have I had a good day? I get these. Chocolate, salty peanut butter, the textures, I love everything about them. Also that there's two. So I'm like, oh, I get this one for later, which is one second later. Anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, I love you. That's all. If you're me, you can shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. And I am. Oh, hi. It's her bobby pin under the couch cushion. Allie Ward and listen. If you're new around here, we usually do not throw so many two-parters your way at once, but this and the Dreams episode both just really deserve them, and we had nearly 400 questions for this one. So yes, a two-parter it is. Also, this is an ologist I was just thrilled to meet after having a patron by the name of Dr. Jessica Randolph write in to say, please, this ologist is a brilliant, hilarious surgeon who works on voices, have her on. So a voice surgeon, yes. Practicing in this field since 2008 and specializing in voice disorders and airway issues, an expert. So I happened to be in New York and I got myself to the Bronx to meet up with this MD and fellow of the American College of Surgeons, who's the director of the Division of Laryngology, Odo Rhino Laryngology and head and neck surgery at Montefiore Einstein Medical Center. And we met up in the lobby, we stayed masked, and we ducked into a small conference room. And I learned so much about the voice and also that we have a lot in common and that I, as a person, have grown and I've changed. And I'm leaving the word mucus unbleeped in this episode. I've bleeped it in past episodes because I just can't deal. It gags me out, but I'm leaving it in. Um, One thing that does not gag me out are patrons. Thank you for joining at patreon.com slash ologies and for submitting questions for the show. Thank you to everyone in ologies merch wearing it. Ologiesmerch.com has things. Thank you to everyone who rates and subscribes and leaves reviews for me to read. Here's one this week to prove that I read them all. It's from Bess Sarah who wrote that this show's quirky sense of humor mixed with science is the perfect blend of fun and facts and it's great for everyone kids too, if they're used to a little cursing, which reminds me that Smology's episodes, those are trimmed of my filth and they're shorter and they're classroom safe. So that's what Smology's episodes are for. They're for kids. Anyway, on to the interview, part one of it, where we will use our voices to discuss your voices, plus Austin's Elvis drawl, hormones, deep voices, squeaky ones, tips for singers, free life hacks that will make your skin glow and your brain work better, vocal feminization surgery, turning back time, anatomy you may not know you have, and more. And then come back next week for whistle tones, Mariah, damage to your voice box, throat singing, perfect pitch, stress and voice cracks and more with your new favorite laryngologist, Dr. Rhonda Alexander. So here's your mic. They're um, they're stage mics, so they're super hardy. So just kind of get up in it, especially since we're masked. Because I'm up in the mic. I'm up in the mic. Perfect. Let me see. Let me check your levels. Recovering Did- theater kid. Recovering theater kid. <laughs> person who loves Broadway. Person who sings the soundtrack to Six in the shower and hasn't seen it yet, and that's her biggest embarrassment. Literally, <laughs> my first question, doctor, is... Do you sing? <laughs> so well done. Amazing. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. First question I'll ask is if you can say your first and last name and your pronouns. Yes. First name Rhonda, R-O-N-D-A. Last name Alexander. My pronouns are she, her. 
No extra H in that, Rhonda. Nope. I am the daughter of Ronald, and so I am R-O-N-D-A. Oh, do any other doctors in your family, how do you become a surgeon? That is just something that I cannot even fathom. It requires a delightful mix of ignorance and perseverance and encouragement, (laughs) those three together. Um, So it is one of those things where if you knew the full scope of the sacrifice and discomfort that it would be, you might not do it, mm-hmm. but the pathway for me began uh, way back in the 80s <laughs> with first grade, <laughs> where um, I was very, very fortunate to be in a scholastic environment where my teachers and my peers and my family all just really encouraged academic talent. Definitely not a situation where that was not a cultural fit. They were like, oh, this is this is great. We love this. We mm-hmm. love when you bring home these report cards with all straight lines. We love it <laughs> very much. Good job, kid. Aww. And then, you, you know, high school... I went to university down in Louisiana. I went to Xavier University of Louisiana, a historically black college. Mm -hmm. And then I went to medical school. And at that point, now I am 25, about to turn 26 when I finished medical school. And I have secured a very coveted spot in the very competitive specialty of otolaryngology, head and neck surgery. There are only about 220 jobs in the country when you finish medical school. It's gone up a little bit, but the time when I was coming out, 220, was it? Wow. 220 openings every year to join the established 10 to 12,000 laryngologists in the U.S. And for context, I looked this up. Every year, the NBA hires about 60 new players. So your chances are only like four times better than getting into the NBA. But Dr. Rhonda Alexander is at the top of her field. So... And I was able to secure a position. Actually, right here, I trained at this same place where I work now. You did. (laughs) I did. But you were in Houston for a while as well, right? Yes, I worked down there for a decade. So after residency, which is five years of pushing your body and brain to the limits, uh, being awake as long as 30 hours or so, back, back when I did it, and finding safety in that and sacrifice and joy, all of those things together, then I did a one year fellowship in laryngology. Mm -hmm. Uh, which had a bent towards neurolaryngology, so nerve-based disorders of the head and neck and voice box. And then I left New York, and I went down to Houston, and I practiced there for over 12 years before coming back to New York. And you've said so many ologies (laughs) in the last minute. So our training that first five years is Mm -hmm. comprehensive otorhinolaryngology head and neck surgery. So that's everything from taking tonsils out of a small child with breathing problems or putting ear tubes in so they can hear well to taking care of cancers of the thyroid or um, mouth or tongue to taking care of allergies and polyps in the nose or heaven forbid also there can be cancers in there that we take care of as well all the way to cosmetic things like using Botox to soften wrinkles and lines, uh, fillers to plump up the face and make it even younger looking. And then my part, which is voice, airway, swallowing disorders. Um, We do that. Did I leave anyone out? Hearing. That's right. So otology and Mm -hmm. neuro-otology, that's going to be the specialties of hearing and balance and restoring that. So we have a broad umbrella and our field in general is about how we interact with the world. So we're in charge of hearing, taste, smell, the way your face looks and the way your voice sounds. So we're really all about how you interact with your environment. Oh my gosh. What about now? What would you say a lot of your work now is? So my work now concentrates in two main areas, and that is voice health and airway health. So voice health is going to be Are there injuries or developmental problems in the voice box anatomy or the way that the person uses it that are getting in the way of them being able to present themselves authentically, confidently, and in a healthful way? And then a lot of, I do airway disorders. So that's going to be people who have had an injury or inflammation or a surgery on the voice box that has led to a narrow place in particular. And so we do lots of reconstructions and things to help get them so they can live a tube-free life. So most of those folks are going to have a tracheostomy, which is an artificial hole from the skin down to the windpipe or trachea. And so finding ways to get that out because most people just don't want them. Is there a part of your job too that deals with why someone can sing or not sing? In particular, me. (laughs) <laughs> Why can't I sing? <laughs> so that ends up being in 
vocology or phonology. So that's going to be the province of professional singing teachers and coaches. Mm -hmm. So we work oftentimes in collaboration with them and another discipline called speech language pathology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and together, I'm in charge of the anatomy and the medical health. The singing teacher is in charge of technique and maybe style. And the speech language pathologist also overlaps with technique and also breathing health and reducing things like coughing. And they do a lot of coaching on things like reflux habits to collaborate with us as well. And you sing? I've been known to sing. You've been known <laughs> to sing. Did mm-hmm. that have any, did performance have any influence in which field you went into? So I think it did earlier than I originally remembered. It definitely played a role in medical school where the patient's problems made sense to me. Mm-hmm. When everyone else was like, who cares if they're missing a half step? And I was like, that makes a difference between whether they get a role or not. And if they don't get that role, that's whether they eat or not. And so, mm-hmm. like, for me, it was a very practical thing, even though it's esoteric and high level and people think, oh, it's only on Broadway. But same for teachers, same for professional parents. If you can't use your voice with your child, are you able to do your job effectively? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everyone who uses their voice as a part of their job, is a professional voice user, as I consider them. They may not be performance voice users, but they're a professional voice user. So heaven forbid, ta-ta, if Allie gets a voice disorder, which I've heard you have. You've had colds and whatnot. Yes. And fought through it yes. and done this pad anyway, it's young true. lady. That's <laughs> true. But like, if you can't do your job without your voice, you're a professional voice user and you deserve the best voice health. And you mentioned a half step, and I have no idea what that means. Oh, musically. <laughs> okay. Is that is that a, like an octave or? So it's one sixteenth of an octave. Okay. An octave is eight notes, and a half step would be in between. Okay. See, yeah. already learning so many things. Obviously, yeah. I'm not a singer. <laughs> it's okay. But how does a person make words and sounds? Like, I don't even know what a voice box is. Is that the Adam's apple, or what? Do, what do we call a voice box? So the larynx which the Adam's apple is a part that you can feel, mm-hmm. um, is composed of a few paired cartilages. Cartilage is kind of that scrunchy version of bone, squishy, flexible. So the single unpaired cartilages are the thyroid cartilage. And that's the one that in um, people who have had testosterone-driven puberty, they're going to get a big prominence that comes out. We call that the thyroid pr- um, prominence. Uh, and that's the Adam's apple. But just a side note, you can also call it a prominentia laryngea if you're fancy. But don't feel bad about ditching Adam in the Adam's apple name, because since it was likely just a bad translation from some Hebrew term, meaning the swellings of a man. But if neither an Adam's apple or a prominentia laryngea are just not striking a chord for you, just call your throat cartilage a goozle. And yes, I will use it in a sample sentence provided by an online dictionary. Quote, they served real good cold beer in those days. It almost froze your goozle pipes. But it pains me to tell you that goozle is a term that actually has its dance card pretty filled with meanings because according to another word origin site, a goozle can be any substance with the consistency of thickened gravy. Not necessarily going down your goozle, but moving on, moving downward. Below that is another cartilage called the cricoid cartilage. And that one is like the strong beam of the airway, keeping it nice and open for all the parts that need to move about. Mm -hmm. And now paired cartilages are going to be the arretinoids. These are like sailboat sail-shaped cartilages that do a lot of the moving. Uh, The vocal cords are actually strung from them. Oh, Um, They have a complicated series of pulleys, muscles, make them move in several different directions to allow the voice box to achieve closure and opening. And your vocal cords are pretty much right where your head meets your neck in the front, just below the hyoid bone. What the fuck is a hyoid bone? No one ever told me I had this bone. It's in the front of my neck. It's floating in my neck. A hyoid apparently means U-shaped in Greek. And this thing does look like a horseshoe or half a bread crust right under your jaw. Why didn't you tell me I had a floating toast bone that anchors my tongue to my skeleton? Anyway, that bone is just upstairs from the vocal cords. So where does the voice come from? It comes from three different parts. Mm -hmm. The lungs are the power source. They send up the air. The vocal folds do the vibrating, that's the bass sound, and then the resonators are the throat, the mouth, the lips, the tongue, the teeth, and that's how you shape the sound to be like you. 
So we'll often describe the act of vocal production that we are an instrument to. So in a piano, you have the body of the piano. That's your resonator. The power comes from when the hammer inside hits the strings, and you're the source when you're banging on the keys. And so similarly, in us, we have those same three things, a power source, a vibrator, and resonators. So when people say that my voice is my instrument, they're not they're they're not dicking around. That's real. No, it's totally real. Yeah. Absolutely. Mimi, my mama. And what about different qualities of a voice over time? Obviously, if a kid calls you on the phone, you're like, I know this is a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then if your grandpa calls you on the phone, it's gonna sound like a grandpa. So what is it about age that changes the quality of a voice? So yes, our voice box and our resonators change over the course of our lifespan. When we're young, everything's tiny. And so you'll hear people say children have small voices. It's because they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their, their resonating system is small, and they, t- they tend to just be up here. They also haven't gone through any of the hormonal changes, which, might, which will, when puberty hits, impact the shape of the voice box and the vocal folds themselves. We actually have hormone-sensitive tissues inside of our voice box. And depending upon which hormones we get more of during puberty, the vocal folds may get thicker and wider. And then the voice box stretches as the thyroid cartilage changes for those folks who get testosterone puberty. And then if you are, let's say, going through menopause or mm-hmm. if you are uh, taking testosterone mm-hmm. for you know, gender-affirming therapy, how does that change what's going on there as well? So um, for my... Femmes who are going through it, dryness down there is associated with dryness up here. Really? <laughs> yeah. So your overall moisture levels are going to change as you approach. I like to think of that as like the last puberty, mm-hmm. like as I head into it myself. <laughs> agonizing, an agonizing surprise it's puberty. It's exciting. Um, life is exciting. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah, so which hormones you're getting are going to influence everything from the texture of your mucus to the thickness of the tissue itself, which kinds of proteins and uh, carbohydrates it's going to be tending to secrete, um, how thick your vibration layers are going to be. All of those are going to be impacted by the hormones that you're experiencing. Wow. And to go back to the whole lifespan, as we age... The same way our pectoral muscles and our arm muscles begin to droop and what we call atrophy or lose the body, the vocal folds can do that as well. So older voices will tend to be maybe a little thinner, you may describe it. We call it aesthetic because they've lost muscle bulk. And we have things that we can do to help folks who are in that situation who still need to use their voice because they may still be working. Um, or just to feel more confident as well. Yeah. You know, my dad was really sick recently. Um, My dad just passed away. But Mm -hmm. as he was getting sicker, he was losing a lot of weight, and Mm -hmm. his voice changed a lot. And Mm -hmm. I never was sure what that was about. And it's interesting to think that his muscles were maybe atrophying. But also, like, loss of power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's another thing we have in common. It was my mom in June, myeloma. Really? Yeah. No. Absolutely. (gasps) Absolutely. I'm so sorry. We're like little Twinkies, the two of us. Holy shit, I'm so sorry. How long was she sick for? (laughs) Oh, so she actually was diagnosed when I was a chief resident, so back in 2007. So we've had, we had 15 bonus years. Yeah, we had 10 with my dad. I'm so sorry. We're just together in heart. So to learn more about this cancer I hate, you can listen to the hematology episode on blood. And for myeloma patients, the uncut hematology file on my website has a lot of extra questions I asked for patients, and that'll be linked in the show notes. And an extra donation for this episode will go to myeloma.org in memory of Dr. Alexander's mom, the late and wonderful Reverend Barbara Alexander. I'm so sorry you lost her though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's um had a totally had a therapy appointment about this morning. So you know we just we st- we keep doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. got one on Friday. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's the rest of our lives, and we just we live it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she was so proud of you. Oh yeah, she's a character. <laughs> <laughs> she and my dad are somewhere right now, just yeah. la- like going, hey, nice. <laughs> she's probably bossing him around too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, because Grandpa was gentle. <laughs> yes, he was a very Grandpa was a very gentle guy. It was. It was interesting, though, to hear that, you know, as you, as you get weaker and, mm-hmm. and even if you're sick or mm-hmm. you're tired or, you know, is that something that people ever come to you wanting to turn back the clock on? Are oh, they ever- absolutely. Really? Yeah, yeah. They want to get their young, robust voice in the same way they want to get their 
young, robust face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and hopefully we can get them to get their young, robust hearing by just wearing the hearing aids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we can do procedures either under general anesthesia, full sleep, no pain, no memories, no moving, or under local anesthesia, mild discomfort with lots of coaching through the event that we that can actually just plump up the vocal cords with injections. Wow. This is called a voice lift. Who knew? Not me, but the gravelly, raspy grip of time can be plumped up, and then the song of youth returns, if that is what you want. And I watched some videos down the glottal hatch of people's vocal cords before and after a voice lift. I don't know how to describe this delicately, but my first impression of it, it looked... The atrophied older vocal folds looked kind of like a vag that was open wide. And then the rejuvenated ones kind of looked like a vagine that was caught mid-wink, kind of closed up. Speaking of voice and crotches and changes, we're going to talk a lot more about puberty and gender and vocal matters later on in this episode. Yeah, and they can last anywhere from six weeks to around two years to some that are quasi-permanent, but those are usually going to be under surgery because we have to do a little bit more work and you shouldn't be awake for that. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. I'm sure the recovery time is a f- at least a few weeks, right? Uh, well, most of them, I get them talking within two days and I just give them three rules. No whispering, because whispering is actually really bad for your voice box because you're putting a lot of pressure and squeezing to make that quiet but strong voice. That was mm-hmm. exhausting, even just that. <laughs> Um, No talking on the cell phone outdoors because people forget that they're competing with the noise in the background. And so they're actually talking louder than they think. And then the third rule is if you can't touch them, you can't talk to them. So no shouting through the house. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Now, what about coughing? What is happening when you're coughing to Mm -hmm. your vocal cords? Is it chaos down there? It is. It's misfortune. Absolutely. It's misfortune. (laughs) They are experiencing a forceful slamming shut followed by an air eruption. And so because we rarely cough once, they're slamming together pretty hard. And we have seen people who just from a coughing disorder, whether it's pneumonia uh, or unfortunately recently COVID being a coughing Mm -hmm. disorder or um, from even really hardcore throat clearing uh, where the banging together actually destroys part of the lining and puts them at risk for a thing called a granuloma which is an irritation that grows and it it kind of makes like a popcorn looking thing and stops your vocal cords from closing really well. And it's a cycle because having it there is an irritant, which makes you cough and coughing makes it worse and it getting worse makes you cough, et cetera, et cetera. Is that how a cough from an illness can become chronic? Like even though you're not infectious or uh, anymore, or you're not infected with say, you know, pneumonia or bronchitis, that cough becomes chronic from that irritation? Chronic cough comes from a few different kinds of things. It can come from the after effects of an infection, like if you had a a sinus or nose um, infection and it's dripping. Gross. That'll make you cough. But also there can be nerve-based coughs, cough from the original issue. But then also we kind of get into the habit of coughing, and it ties closely to throat clearing where we're all the time. And we actually have certain kinds of rehab where we – basically teach you to ignore that stimulus, to extinguish the stimulus. When you feel like you want to cough, you take a drink of water or you do a different thing or you say something or you just let the air out gently. So instead of going, (coughs) they just go (sighs) and let the air out um, so that they're not giving that irritating stimulus again so that uh, we can help break the cycle of the coughing. She's got this incredibly grotesque throat clearing tick. It's like, It's like she's digging for clams. Well, what's happening with a cough drop? So cough drops are doing a couple of things. They'll often contain menthol, and menthol just kind of like opens up all the passages in the nose, does a little bit of shrinking of how much mucus you're making. So there's less irritant going on. When you're breathing it in, it's also soothing and reducing some of the mucus in the throat. And then the third part is you put any candy in your mouth, you're going to make more saliva. And so you're getting wetter saliva instead of the thick mucusy one that the menthol is drying up. And so your throat is just happy that you're getting a little bit more saliva to help soothe it. Is that cool? Is it cool to have cough drops if you need them? 
So they're okay. Okay. We just want to, like, that's one of those things where it's like follow the package directions. You shouldn't have a cough drop every hour on the hour for several days. That's like, okay, what's really going on here? And examine, am I drinking enough water? When am I eating and what am I eating? Am I eating a a whole turkey dinner and then laying straight down and giving myself reflux, which is going to burn my voice box? Oh. Hello, fast-paced people who work in these jobs. Yes, <laughs> indeed. I mean, is there something that is better for reflux? Is it better to eat at like 7 p.m. if you're going to bed at 11 and just give your body time to not burp up acid? Right. So you're going to transit the food that you put in your belly within three to four hours. And so I try to give folks a window. You can eat almost whatever you want. Pay attention to your body and how it responds to different foods. But you want an empty belly when it's bedtime. So last food must be done. For my beginners, I tell them two hours because they got to get in the habit. And it's so hard. We're used to there's always a snack at the side of the bed. There's cookies. There's I, I went to bed with toast. I went to bed with a fruit. <laughs> but especially if you have symptoms of cough, voice trouble, or specifically heartburn, you got to tighten it up. Empty bellies. So really three hours I would love to see before you lay down at all. Mm-hmm. Now, going thinking back to like my medical school and residency days, if I got home at 9 or 10 p.m., I'm not staying up till 1 because I have to get up the next morning at 5. So yeah. that, that meant making modifications, which we recommend to folks all the time. So I, for years, slept in a recliner Oh, if I was having a late day. So I would have my meal, and I would have to go right to bed. And so I would just make sure I was at a little bit of an incline, give your head some support. And that's just a modification. Just like you would modify an exercise for your own health, you can modify the things you have to do. You don't always have to sleep in a bed. I would never have thought of that as like yeah. a as a fix for that. Mm-hmm. You know, there because there have been times when I have come home with my purse still on and microwaved <laughs> a frozen dinner. Oh, yeah. It's been like this is the the picture of like such a just a haggard career woman, you it's, know. It's glamorous. <laughs> We're both living glamorous lives. <laughs> What about, does sleep apnea fall under your like surgical interventions at all? Or So in in, our, in the broader umbrella field, sleep sleep surgery is also a part of otorhinolaryngology, head and neck surgery. Mm-hmm. And so there are surgeries that can be done to reduce the resistance in the nose and also to keep the, the tension in the tongue and throat at a level that keeps it open because sleep apnea is really about collapse. Sometimes that's nerve-based, sometimes it's bulk-based, but regardless of weight, BMI, whatever measure you want to choose, it can happen to anyone having that sleep apnea. So it's the answer is not always just lose weight. Yeah, There are surgeries that may need to be done to help reduce the resistance in the airway. Uh, rarely we involve the voice box, but we can do that if they have a condition called laryngomalacia space, L-A-R-Y-N-G-O-M-A-L-A-C-I-A space for <laughs> editing. Um, <laughs> laryngomalacia. Laryngomalacia is a condition where the voice box collapses under the pressures of breathing in and can contribute to the sleep apnea. So we can make some modifications to help it stay open and more strong. But mostly for sleep apnea, my concern is, again, you're breathing against resistance. What happens? The chest pressure goes down and the belly pressure sucks up more reflux. So folks whose sleep apnea is not treated also have more reflux symptoms very commonly. So double whammy. And not good whammies, either one of them. But not all snoring is related to bulk in the throat. And also, as we have discussed on this podcast, BMI is a very loose and kind of shady metric for determining body composition. It was invented by an Austrian astronomer, was not even a medical doctor. But even a legit MD can tell you that, of course, BMI does not tell the whole story at all. And it's not fair to bodybuilders or to me the day after I have ramen. I'm a like a juicy, salty sham wow of a person. But the condition laryngomalacia, which she mentioned, can also show up in babies who have floppier vocal cords, and it leads to something called strider or noisy breathing, which out of all of the loud things that a tiny baby can do from either end of their little soft bodies, I never knew that just breathing could be a loud thing. These poor little babes. What should people do if they have sleep apnea, they're sleeping like shit, they feel like shit, Mm -hmm. they go to a doctor, the doctor's like, just lose some weight and get back to me. And it's not, that's not the problem. Like, are there any diagnostic things that people should, should make sure that they get checked out? Yeah. So the gold standard testing to, to diagnose sleep apnea is what we call a polysomnogram or a sleep study. And those can sometimes be done at home as a screen or they can be done in a lab where we are checking 
What are your brain waves doing to make sure you're asleep and what stage of sleep you're in? They've got a little band around your chest to see, are you making the effort to breathe? They've got all kinds of heart monitors and, and blood oxygen monitors to see if you are getting air. And then sometimes there'll be a little monitor that kind of is hanging out in the throat to see what the pressure is. And so obstructive sleep apnea, which is the kind that most folks have, is the kind where you're trying to breathe but there's a blockage. And so the sleep study is what's going to diagnose it. And so if you specifically ask for a sleep study and your doctor will not refer you for that, unfortunately, I would say break up with that person because healthcare <laughs> is about teamwork. Like I'm the content subject matter expert and you're the expert in your life. And so together we got to sort out what we can do to make your life better. Who doesn't love to dump an asshole? So don't sleep on that good advice. Say goodbye. Find someone better. Cut banks. Text a crush. We're all going to die. Doctor's orders. What is snoring then? Because if clearing your throat and coughing is not good for your vocal cords, mm -hmm. snoring's got to be bonkers because you sound like a Muppet. It's just like, <laughs> it's the, like, what is happening in there? So snoring is a vibration, usually of the soft palate, the little hang down dingly, mm -hmm. the bell that we call the uvula. I don't even know what that does. Uh, so that is, uh, it's a part of the throat. We don't, we don't really know why we have the hang down bit there, mm -hmm. but it is the, that part of the palate is a part of closing off the nose. So when you swallow, food doesn't go up your nose, mm -hmm. but that part vibrating is usually what's going to give you snoring. Really? The uvula vibrating? Oh yeah. And the whole soft palate. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bonkers. If you want to know where is my soft palate exactly, run your tongue along the roof of your mouth toward the back until it starts feeling squishy. There you go. That's your soft palate. So snoring can happen when the root of your tongue and your soft palate kind of flappity flap onto the back of your throat. And so you're vibrating your airway by skimming air, sometimes through your mouth, because your mouth goes into the windpipe without having to deal with that roadblock of that flappity flap palate. But obstructive sleep apnea takes things a step further with these blockages that pause your breathing for seconds, sometimes in some people minutes at a time, holding your breath while you're asleep and you're gasping and snorting yourself awake for air so many times a night, which is why that machine that forces air into your lungs, but it looks like a space octopus, is preferable to actually suffocating on your own throat meat. But it's not your it's not doing damage to your vocal cords. Not necessarily, but okay. having untreated sleep apnea is just setting you up for a whole host of troubles, yeah. And what about performers, opera singers, mm -hmm. uh, Shakespearean actors who are using their whole diaphragm, mm -hmm. which to me, whenever someone is like, just use your diaphragm, I'm like, I don't really fully understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Is that just an expansion of your lungs? What's happening when people are projecting? Ah, so projecting is maximizing both the power source and your resonators and aiming them the right way for the audience, which is why like when you're watching stage plays that are not mic'd or when you're watching opera that's not mic'd, it's very unnatural because I'm singing to you about you and I'm facing the other way yeah. <laughs> towards the audience um, because we have to aim the sound, our resonator, towards who we want to hear it. And since you're in the cast, you already know what I'm saying. You don't need to hear it. The mm -hmm. audience needs to hear it. So to understand your diaphragm better, we're going to Put one hand on your tum-tum right okay. below your ribs and just take a natural breath. And what happens to your tum-tum? Thankfully, my tum-tum wasn't already distended with coleslaw or beans or anything. What do you feel? Does it go in or out? I feel like it goes out a little bit. Yeah. So that's normal. The diaphragm is the muscle that separates your belly cavity with your guts in it from your chest cavity, which has your lungs and your heart. And so in its relaxed state... That's breathing out, exhaled. When you breathe in, that muscle, because it's like a dome, the muscle contracts so it gets smaller, and that actually pulls your chest cavity bigger. And so to do that, your tum-tum actually should come out mm -hmm. to make room for your guts <laughs> to mm -hmm. be that way. And so a good breath <sighs> has your tummy coming out, and that's why costume designers are really smart because almost all of those gorgeous femme opera costumes have an ampere waist because their oh. belly has to move. There oh. is no hourglass-shaped opera costume because you got to breathe. Wow. <laughs> I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a difference between using your chest muscles to fill the upper part of your lungs versus expanding 
your belly with your diaphragm and having your diaphragm do the work to fill the lower lung too. And singers want to get as much air in so they can have more power and they can take fewer breaths too. But on the chill side, several studies are on top of it when it comes to researching the whys of that deep diaphragmatic breathing and how it switches your brain out of panic mode. And in one 2019 Frontiers in Psychology paper titled, Pulmonary Afferent Activity Patterns During Slow Deep Breathing Contribute to the Neural Induction of Physiological Relaxation, the authors note that recent evidence suggests that breathing at six breaths per minute promotes behavioral relaxation, dope, we love that, and baroreflex resonance effects, and appears to elicit resonant and coherent features in neuromechanical interactions that optimize physiological function as well as support the expression of slow cortical rhythms to induce a functional state of alert relaxation and, via nose breathing, recruit hippocampal pathways to boost memory consolidation. I had to do diaphragmatic breathing just to get through that sentence. But I know you don't know what that means, and that's okay because neither do I, but guess how much it costs? Zero dollars to feel more chill. Air it's free. So deep belly breathing is not just for your sister's Lululemon obsessed roommate. It also does science things that are great for the brain area. And yeah, it's why you don't see a lot of opera stars lacing their rib cages into bone-filled sausage shapes. Like a lot of period Ugh. costumes. Bless and their just, hearts. I mean, Bless their hearts. corsets. Ooh, I won't do it. I won't mm-hmm. do it. Nope. <laughs> uh, what about when, let's say that you're a singer. Mm-hmm. Say you're a professional singer. I remember hearing like Adele having nodes mm. and it was the worst thing that a singer yes. can ask for. Yes. What are those and why, why does uh, vocal rest help? Mm. So vocal fold nodes or nodules fall under a category of voice box injury that we call phonotrauma or injuries that come from producing sound. Um, it also includes things like polyps and cysts, all of which have to do with the part of the voice box that gets the most of the energy delivered to it from the vibration effects. And nodes or nodules are on both sides. And they are kind of like a callus that forms. So I think about if you do manual labor or if you play a sport. When I was a kid, I played baseball. And so I had horrifying calluses after I had blisters um, because that's where all the force was going. Now, I got good coaching and my coach said, put on some batting gloves. Get yourself some gloves. Right? And now my hands are soft again. And so... Vocal fold nodules are often a sign of not having had enough good technical coaching and you're kind of pushing through. And so you're getting calluses instead of finding where your natural range is and having the right support, again, from your breath and from your resonators. So those are treated with therapy where we work to improve your technique. Almost never need surgery. Almost never need surgery. But also femlaryngees sometimes just have a little bit of a shape like that. And so we d- we've learned that they're not always a problem, not always a disease, not always a pathology. If we looked at a thousand fem laryngees, we might see 600 or so with kind of an hourglass shape mm-hmm. where they meet early in the middle. And in maybe 15, 20 years ago, we'd have said, oh my gosh, you have nodules. But if they don't have a problem with their voice, they don't have nodules really. They have a femme voice. Aha. What mm-hmm. about um, surgeries to feminize a voice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that is that um, shortening the the width of the vocal cords? So when we do feminizing voice surgeries, the goal is to increase the pitch. Right around 200 cycles per second is the inflection point where we kind of culturally say, at least in the U.S., we say, this is a mask voice, this is a femme voice, and so... We want to get our, particularly our trans patients, we want to get them above 200 so that that their voice is concordant, similar, in line with their physical presentation and their internal sensation. So to do that, what we end up usually doing is shortening the length of the vocal folds so that that same power is going through a shorter space. So it has to vibrate faster. And so that takes the frequency higher. So shortening the voice box, usually by about one third to half Mm -hmm. Um, while maintaining breathing space is what's going to get that pitch to go up. That can help a lot with the dysphoria, with with feeling like you're not sounding like you you feel. Absolutely, yeah. Misgendering is a psychologically harmful experience um, that isn't always even intentional. When you're in the drive-thru or on the phone, 
we make assessments based on that frequency. And, you know, on a bad day, I get misgendered. But because overall, I'm aligned and cis, like I can, I can throw that off one time. But if it's happening all day, all the time, it can wear on a person. Yeah. So feminization surgery can address the length of the vocal folds themselves, but there are other factors in affirming a voice, and that can include the shape and the depth of the larynx itself. And a 2020 paper titled Vocal Feminization for Transgender Women, Current Strategies and Patient Perspectives, notes that the first voice feminization surgery may have been performed by the Catholic Church which prohibited women from singing in services and instead performed castration on boys to preserve their childhood pitch for singing in the higher registers in the Sistine Chapel. Not sure what the consent was back then. But either way, the voice box has a lot of androgen receptors. So the onset of puberty and a flood of testosterone means that the length and the thickness of the vocal cords increase, as does the diameter of the larynx. So think of a flute turning into a trombone. But if you're a person with ovaries, but you have a hormonal condition that increases your testosterone, you can also experience deepening of the voice. And if you're assigned female at birth, but are on testosterone, your voice box will likely respond to that extra testosterone and deepen your voice. But if you don't have access to testosterone injections or vocal feminization surgery, which can cost up to 15 grand, There is the non-invasive option of vocal therapy, and that's practicing and modulating your voice using your throat and tongue and vocal cords to change the pitch and even the patterns of your voice. And I was doing some research and found an app called Eva that has video instructions and lessons in pitch, and they have a tune tracker and exercises for trans people who want to modulate their voice without hormones or surgery or just want to practice. There is this app called Eva. It costs around 80 bucks, but cheaper than surgery. Will it stick, though? I don't know. Why don't you ask Elvis, or rather Austin Butler, or really just ask Dr. Alexander about Austin Butler, which I did yesterday. I texted her. I was like, hey, if a person were to say, train himself to speak like Elvis for a few years, could his voice get stuck like that? Or is it really more of a brain habit? And Dr. Alexander wrote me right back. She was like, brain body habit. And the way we speak is part anatomy and part learned. So sweet Austin Butler could unteach himself his current voice, but we should ask ourselves, should he? And then she put a smiling emoji with a halo. So perhaps he spent so long learning the voice, his muscles have really internalized those patterns. If you want a deeper voice with less effort, you could also just get a cold, which causes vocal fold inflammation and thickening. But don't do that. No one needs that. And do you find that I, I'm always so interested that when we have a cold or we sound a little husky, we're like, mm-hmm. ooh, I'm like Demi Moore, I'm, I'm sultry, <laughs> I'm whatever, Kathleen Turner. But obviously, people who are a mask, because of just internalized misogyny also, mm-hmm. just in general, being perceived as having a femme voice is almost like insulting. Or it something. is, because femininity is an insult. We yep. All- <laughs> yep. And how have femmes or people assigned female at birth responded to that? subconsciously or consciously. A little something we talked about in the 2018 phonology episode with Dr. Nicole Holiday, but you may have heard it on like countless reality programs, etc. Ooh, all right, vocal fry. We're mm-hmm. going to go there. Oh, yeah. It's super controversial because vocal fry has been kind of like the straw man argument for aging man hates young woman's voice on radio. Yeah. (laughs) Something called vocal fry that is creeping into the speech patterns of young women. Is there anything equivalent in men? No, there isn't. But there is harm that's coming to your voice because if you're not using enough air to support, then you're going to be doing a lot of that squeezing and you're putting yourself at more risk for the phonotrauma, the injuries to the vocal folds from trying to push through. You would not try to keep running the marathon if you hadn't eaten anything the day before. And that's what it is. If you're trying to talk without any air power, that's how you get into this zone with the fry. Mm -hmm. And it's literally asking the car to keep going with no gas. Just take a breath, people. Ah, okay. That's actually very, very, that's so good to know. So too much vocal fry, which is your vocal cords flapping a little more chaotically than rhythmically, could possibly damage them in the long term. Most doctors say, It's probably not going to happen. And also, just today, I saw the headline, The Doomsday Clock Reveals How Close We Are to Total Annihilation. So I'm just going to urge you to worry about other things, especially 
if it's just because some guy farting into a leather recliner left a comment on your social media telling you that you sound like a valley girl. Just keep moving, babies. In the topic of sounding the way that we want to be perceived, obviously, if our whole face is a resonator Mm -hmm. in our neck, why do we sound so different on recordings than we are hearing day to day? Ah, so we both never see ourselves and never hear ourselves outside of a photograph or a recording because when you're hearing your voice, you're hearing the vibrations up through your own head. And so you're not hearing what other people are hearing. You're not necessarily hearing that through the entire mechanism of your ear until it's played back. And that's why it sounds foreign. Mm -hmm. Because when you're talking and learning to talk, you're hearing actually the vibrations directly to your cochlea from your temporal bone inside your head, which is why you can hear yourself hum and it hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, And we only ever see ourselves in mirror image, Mm -hmm. which that extremely disturbing phenomenon to, to those filters where they're like, this is how oh. people see you. I'm like, no, thanks. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I'm like, who's that lady? Yeah. Why does she look like a Picasso painting to me? Like, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's cause it's like off, but it's like it's little, 10% off. 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 Like what is, what is that? It's like uncanny Valley with your yeah. own face. Oh, it upsets me. <laughs> but it's also, you know, exploring that, uh, like listening to this episode is going to be an exploration of accepting myself the way others perceive me <laughs> and hearing my voice the way others hear me because I rarely hear it. Yeah. It's a trip for me every time. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult, mm-hmm. even as someone who professionally uses their voice. And as someone who professionally uses their voice and is not so smart about it, mm-hmm. I have a question about ice. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with ice that I love it too much. Mm. Too much. Mm. I have an industrial ice machine in the garage because I was constantly running out the ice in the freezer. Okay. <laughs> and I also do some voiceover work on the side. And it occurred to me that like I'm in the booth drinking ice water. They can probably hear the ice clink. And that is probably super unprofessional. What is up with temperatures and what you're drinking? Hmm. Is ice bad? Is hot coffee bad? Like what are we doing to ourselves? So the range of temperatures that don't cause you pain are all okay. Okay. Ice for some people is about the chewing. Okay. And for other people is about just getting the water in a more controlled way since it has to melt as opposed to just gulping down water. Mm. Also, when we give ourselves any cold stimulus in the head and neck and in the mouth, it actually activates the calming part of our of our nervous system. So you may be oh. treating yourself in a way that's very helpful by putting cold in your mouth. It's going to slow your heart rate. Wow. It's going to slow your breathing. And so any jitters or nerves you have are going to be suppressed by your nervous system. It's the parasympathetic system. Wow. So it's mm-hmm. like, show me you have an anxiety disorder without showing me you have an anxiety disorder. I just have like a big gulp. Of and if you do, it's water. like, welcome to the club. Because <laughs> yeah, we're all not doing fine. Yeah. So. Third year of a pandemic and reading headlines about the apocalypse. Anyone else? But yes, I edited this episode during a rainstorm while drinking a 32-ounce iced tea that was mostly just teed ice. There was so much ice. But next to that iced tea, I also had a mug of hot tea because I'm a chaotic little bitch like that. And for other folks, like the super hot sensations are stimulating. It gets them going because warmer will tend to push you a little bit more towards the sympathetic, the amped up body system, in addition to the caffeine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does the cold water cause more mucus production or congestion, or does it freeze up your your muscles in your larynx? So it won't freeze the muscles, but it will tend to give you kind of a thicker mucus just because it, it is has less energy in it. And so it's going to be an energy sink. It's going to take heat out of the body. And so that's endothermic reactions because oh, I also really love, chem- I miss chemistry and math and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So, <laughs> so it's pulling energy and warmth out of you. Whereas warmer things, um, particularly steam, as it's going from liquid to gas, it's a big energy jump. And so it has a lot more energy in it and it's going to be able to thin the mucus secretions that are in your throat. So steaming is fantastic for the skin of the face. The voice box and the airways love it as well. So you know, awesome. everybody who does your nightly face, facial steaming, your body is really pleased with that. Ah. For more on steaming your yoni, you can see the gynecology and urology episodes, friends. But of all the things you can do with your genitals, doctors report that exposing them to scalding hot gases should be at the bottom of your list. 
So we want steam to be something that you can put on this thin skin of your of the inside of your wrists and it's comfortable. That's going to still be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any hacks for if you don't have a like $75 facial steamer from Bed Bath & Beyond? Yes. It's something that most of us who are housed are going to have and it's a cup of hot water. <laughs> Legit. Like, so my folks, like, I, I, I'm, so we're here in the Bronx, and mm-hmm. this is uh, of the 62 counties in New York State. This is number 62 in health outcomes and economic opportunities. And so I am not recommending go buy a $100 thing to almost any of my patients. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, boil water on the stove, put it into a mug that is safe, maybe wrap a towel around it, and just hold it under your face and breathe it in. And that's a steamer. Nice. Mm-hmm. So if you're on the go, Get a cup of just hot water from the deli, and that's steaming too. Oh, wonderful. I'm going to start steaming my face. What about, I used to drink a lot of yerba mate because Mm -hmm. it it is like legal drugs, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it is so hardcore. I would drink a cup of yerba mate and be like, I'm going to go run a half marathon. I've never Mm -hmm. run before. Like, I don't know what's in it. There's some catechins. Anyway, but I read that some studies correlated to people in South America who drink it having higher rates of esophageal cancer and throat cancer. And they determined it was maybe the temperature of the water. Are there any Mm. things having to do with throat cancer that are, we should or shouldn't be doing? So I wouldn't put yerba mate or hot things on that list. We've, I mean, we've had millions of years of us drinking hot things because they've been important and useful, particularly in the in the edges, in the higher latitudes. But the number one thing you shouldn't do to the throat to prevent cancer is inhale a thing that's on fire. Got it. So whether that's tobacco, marijuana, any of the other things that people smoke, we don't want to be breathing in hot, combusted on fire fumes into our voice box. And because we know to- tobacco was the one that we've studied the most. And that one, co- it can cause cancer from the lips all the way down to the tips of the lungs. And so we just don't want to get, we want to stop kids from starting. As far as vaping is concerned, it's good as a transition to nothing as much as possible. The other big contributor to throat cancer, kind of higher up around the tonsils and the back of the throat, is going to be human papillomavirus. And so I'm going to put in a plug to get your Gardasil, get your HPV vaccine, boy, girl, or in between, get your HPV vaccine. I think I just made them a slogan. I, you literally <laughs> did. I'm going to put in a plug to get your Gardasil, get your HPV vaccine, boy, girl, or in between. Get your HPV vaccine, boy, girl, or in between. I mean, and because there are some places that girls uh, in certain states were being dissuaded because they thought it would make them sexually active. Yes. And would, if they got a vaccine that can prevent <sighs> cancer, no one who's ever had a pap smear had, was, I'm sure, advocating for that. Right. You know? There are some people in this country who are in systems of bondage which they did not actively choose. And a lot of their identity is wrapped up in it and attachment to community is wrapped up in it. And it includes some harmful teachings that have come to them from people who even represent my same faith. And I get upset about it. But like the existence of apples does not mean you have to have an apple. Mm -hmm. So the existence of sex does not mean you have to have sex. Mm -hmm. And so no amount of medical care is going to make you have sex before you are ready. Mm -hmm. And so... At least it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And so protecting your child or yourself from a viral mediated cancer, the other activities come from conversation, not from an injection, not Mm -hmm. at all. And if an injection is enough to set your kid off doing anything, they were going to be doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's time to examine the relationship and and open up and have some talks with them about what they're thinking and experiencing because no vaccine has ever made me do anything. And I just got a couple in the past Mm -hmm. couple of years. I didn't change much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And what a breakthrough to have that Gardasil vaccine Uh. available because that's something that is so... HPV is so prevalent in so many people. It can be transmitted in so many ways. That's right. And yeah, it can be lethal for people. Mm-hmm. So I have I know several people who have gotten cancer, cervical and uh, esophageal. Mm-hmm. Great news. If you are over nine years old, you can get this vaccine. If you're over 26, though, doctors are kind of like, mm, don't bother. You've probably already been exposed. But folks of all genders can be vaccinated. And if you've got a cervix, 
and have the vaccine, you are seeing a 78% reduction in cervical cancer. Thank you very much. So ask your doctor, and at the very least, get your paps yearly if you can't get the vaccine. Now, we're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, a free tip that will improve your life and your skin. But first, we'll donate some money to worthy causes. First to myeloma.org, which has amazing resources for folks affected by this blood cancer. And that is in memory of Reverend Barbara Alexander. And also a cause of the ologist choosing this week is the Laryngology Education Foundation Health Equity Grant Program, which supports endeavors that increase understanding and awareness of how racial disparities impact laryngology and speech-language pathology care in the U.S., specifically for patients of the Black diaspora, and it supports initiatives that address these disparities in our communities. So those donations were made possible by sponsors of the show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, therapy. Therapists can help you dump out your bag and work through the heavy garbage that's weighing you down, in my case at least. I've used BetterHelp. They have definitely helped me understand that pushing my feelings down does not actually make them go away. It makes them feel worse. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible. It's suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's so much faster and easier than trying to hunt down a therapist from just online listings and cold calling. That's one thing I love about BetterHelp. And if for any reason you're not vibing with your therapist, you can switch anytime, no additional charge, no drama. So unburden yourself and trauma dump onto someone who's trained for this. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ologies today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash ologies. Oh, KiwiCo. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allie's love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. Kiwi goes like, we did the legwork for you. And the summer adventure series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages 9 to 14. An entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, it's heating up. It's time to say bye now to your jackets and your sweaters and your tights and get reacquainted with shorts and tees, breezy things. Can I point you to the direction of Quince? What I love about Quince, you can build a lineup of timeless pieces. They keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year without spending a fortune. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts. They start at $30. They have washable silk tops. And I love that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories. They cut out the cost of the middleman and then they pass the savings on to you. So whether you need a sundress you can wear to a picnic or you need some good t-shirts or tanks that feel nice on your skin and are well-made, head over to Quince. I love them so much I put them on my body. That's what clothes are for. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash ologies for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies. Oh, hi, it's me, the lady that checks a bunch of scholarly articles before she believes anything. Allie Ward. 
And I feel like we are similar in that we have a fair amount of skepticism and we like to dive deep and find out what the actual facts are. This is why when it comes to any kind of supplements, I enjoy Ritual, which is a female-founded B Corp, meaning that they're holding themselves accountable to not just the company, but also to the health of people in our planet. And they're clinically backed essential for women at 18 plus multivitamin has these high quality, traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms that are clean. Only about 1% of supplement brands are USP verified and Ritual is one of them. So I like being able to trust what I'm putting in my body. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'll also tell you that Ritual are beautiful little vitamins. They look like lava lamps and they taste like mint. So taking my Ritual is part of my, I guess, morning ritual. I, that's probably why they named it that and I didn't even think about it. Anyway, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. You can start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Down the hatch. Okay, back into it. What about hot water, lemon, honey? What's that doing? So again, the the steam is the is the main actor in ah. hot water. Honey soothes the top parts of the throat, but it's not ever going to touch the larynx in a healthy person because the larynx is the airway. And this is another fun tidbit about the laryngopharyngeal complex, this upper throat area. It's the only part of the body we ask to do three things. Other parts get two responsibilities, but this area needs to breathe, speak, and safely handle foods. And so the foods go around the side, the air goes down the middle. So nothing you're drinking directly is ever going to go directly into your voice box if you're in a healthy state. If it does, that's a condition called aspiration, where the the food and drink is going into the lung direction, and and we end up treating that as well. Aspiration is anything going mm-hmm. into the lung that would that's not air. Yeah, anything <laughs> which is pretty much you just want air in there. You only air and some lightly like humidified air. Mm-hmm. So we want it to be warm and moist, uh, like the lung likes it to be. And so that's actually one of the functions of your nose is to warm and moisten the air, which is why nose breathing is preferred because the air has time to pick up all the energy and molecules and moisture. But yeah, any anything that's not air or humidified air going into the airway is a no-no. That's a no. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Mariah Carey. Oh, let's. Mimi. How <laughs> does she do it? How does she make noises that some humans can't even hear? Right. So the whistle tones, mm-hmm. which I'm going to say that she is the heir to Minnie Ripperton, who's Maya Rudolph's mom from oh. SNL fame. I did not know that. Minnie Ripperton. Listen to the song Loving You. Okay. Um, it's easy because you're beautiful. Oh. And then she does those whistle tones also. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. most of us have at least three registers or forms of the voice. So just basically, we're usually using our chest voice. And when we go into what we call falsetto, that's kind of the head voice. And that would be the difference between one, two, three, and one, two, three. Like I, was, I went up in my falsetto, that's like lower, lower pressure. And I'm letting it just kind of resonate up higher. My, mm-hmm. my vocal folds are tenser. Um, and they're vibrating faster to do those higher pitches. Mm-hmm. And I'm not pushing and squeezing. I'm just letting it come out. So it's naturally quieter. Okay. okay. And then the whistle tones are an entirely different thing where they've tightened the voice box so much and they've positioned the vocal folds in the right manner where they're doing a frequency that's just on a next level higher. Um, and so then the resonators are really just shaping it, which is why when people are doing their whistle tones, they're usually just going to do a single phoneme. It's usually just... E uh-huh. or oo or o <laughs> because you, your articulators are focused on just getting really narrow and letting that sound out. Um, and you can't do a lot of shaping of the sound because everything is squeezing to get it tight enough so that you can do those rapid vibrations at a high frequency that gets up into those whistle notes. Nice pipes, by the way. <laughs> do you watch the national anthem and are you like, you got this, you got this, you got this, you know, because it's uh, such a difficult thing to sing. Yeah, yeah. And it has to happen before every ball game, every, you know what I mean? <laughs> so whenever anyone goes up there, I was like, you got this, you got this, come on, you got this. I mean, Fergie did a great job. No. <laughs> <laughs>
it was a choice. It was a bold choice. And I'm not going to leave a comment from my farty recliner about it. No, so that is one of the most difficult songs because of the range of notes that it covers. And I just, I wouldn't recommend it as an audition song for just about anything. (laughs) I have so many questions from listeners. Can I ask you one million? Um, One million and two. Yes, we got them. (laughs) Literally, um, at present, 377 questions. Not a big deal. Thank you, Allergites. (laughs) Thank you. So that is why this is a blessed two-parter. We will be back next week with so many answers to questions. You'll be so glad patrons asked. But until then, take a big deep belly breath or six and ask magnetic surgeons unsmart questions because your life will never be the same. And you can find Dr. Alexander at yourvoicemd on Twitter or your underscore voice underscore physician on Instagram and say hello there. We are at Ologies on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm Allie Ward uh, on both with one L. I'm Allie underscore Ologies on TikTok now. Say hello. You can join Patreon at patreon.com slash Ologies, where we have discussion threads each week about the episode. I love to read your reactions and chime in. Ologies merch is available at ologiesmerch.com. Thank you, Susan Hale, for managing that and so much else. Thank you, Noel Dilworth, for the scheduling. Aaron Talbert celebrates a birthday this week. Happy birthday, my sister friend. I love you forever. We have known each other since I was four. And she admins the Ologies Podcast Facebook group with assists from Bonnie Dutch and Shannon Feltis. Emily White makes our professional transcripts and Caleb Patton bleeps them. And Zeke Rodriguez-Thomas and Mercedes Maitland of My Gym Media work on Smologies, kid-friendly, shorter episodes. And Kelly R. Dwyer makes the website. She can make yours too. Mark David Christensen and Jarrett Sleeper did additional editing on this episode alongside lead editor Mercedes Maitland, who has her own Maitland audio. You can check that out. Nick Thorburn did the music, and he is in a band called Islands. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, you know I tell you a secret. This week, I'm going to be real with you. I'm recording this from bed, and I've worked from bed all day. And I don't know why I'm so tired. I'm getting over not feeling great. Still not feeling great. COVID tests are negative. That's good. But yeah, either way, I'm like missing a spark plug or two. But a better secret is that uh, Jarrett got falafel as he was driving back from the gym. And for four days, our car smelled just ripe, just inexplicably so. And then at a stoplight, I reached under the driver's seat and I found a cold, moist, and a pretty sizable onion right under the seat. It was like the size of an earthworm and sticky in that way, but stinkier. And I was just so relieved. I've never been so relieved to touch something so smelly and just to close that stinky chapter. But okay, enough out of my voice. I'll shut it for now. More voice boxes next week though. Come back. Okay. Bye-bye. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.